morning we had Brother Casey that was here, and we just rejoiced that while the doctors had called lymphoma and 90% cancer, y'all were here as they were testifying and no cancer at all. The baby came home, everything's fine. Sister Annie was testifying tonight. We prayed for her a week or so ago, and the doctor first said she had cancer on her face, and of course we said no and prayed, and she went to the doctor, and he said it was cancer, but when the lab results came back, it wasn't cancer. And so, and you know, Sister Gaynell was talking about a situation she was in, and God just sent a good Samaritan and came to a blessing to her. And I just want you right now, just let's take a moment and let's just thank God that we have a great and awesome God. And he's greater than anything that the doctor can say. He's greater than any natural problem or circumstance. He is the great I am. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Just give him praise tonight. Just praise him for what he's doing. Just thank him for the healing. Thank him for the removing of the yoke. Thank him for the lifting of the burden. Offer your family for your loved ones. Lord, we just give you praise how great you are. We just magnify your greatness and your power. We just magnify your worthiness. We glorify you, Jesus. We magnify the name above all names. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you for your presence to manifest it here to heal and deliver and set free. We thank you that you're greater than any mountain. You're greater than any storm. You're greater than any circumstance. You're the great I am. You're the peace that passes all understanding. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing with Derek and his child. Thank you for your peace, your healing power. Thank you for a good report coming from the doctor this weekend. Lord, we just believe and trust you that everyone's need is met. Lord, as <coughs> there are those who this week would, next week would want to magnify the power of the enemy. We're magnifying the power of the name above every name. We magnify the Lord who's given us the keys of the kingdom. And we thank you that we stand upon the foundation that you said, I will build my church. And I praise you that we're not, Lord, needy of men to come through for us. But, Lord, you are coming through for us. And you use men. But more than that, I thank you for the power that's operative in every life, in every heart, in every mind. And we praise you that we are the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. We plead the blood over every physical body, every mind, every motion, every spirit here and the loved ones of those who's believing. And we praise you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Turn to somebody, shake their hand, hug their neck. Tell them, I'm glad you are here. I bless you in Jesus' name. How great is our God. You're greatly to be praised. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to see you tonight. Praise God. Got a few announcements. I want to encourage you, please be here Sunday and invite others to come. We got a, a special program we're trying to get. You know, this Sunday, I make 10 years I've been here. And so, uh, and, and, uh, so we're just thankful for that. But we got some things we want to show you, some clips and different reports. And got all kind of new stuff coming up. And 
I tell you, by the end of November, you're not even going to recognize this place. And we're just excited about what God is doing. And we believe by the end of the month, you won't even recognize yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> God's going to do so much in us. So we bless you. And we thank God for you. Uh, Friday, October 23rd at 7 o'clock here at Word of Grace. ISO and C20, the College Career and Youth, are going to be having a night of worship. It's going to be an awesome thing. And Bound for Life this coming Saturday, October 24th here at 8.30. They'll be leaving for Shreveport. The Silent Siege, which is standing in front of the abortion clinic in Shreveport, interceding on behalf of the mothers who would come from out of state and all over and uh, to deport their babies and intercede and stand in the gap. If you've never been there, it would be something awesome for you to be a part of. And then the ladies' mentoring will be October 29th, 6.30 here at Word of Grace. And uh, that all ladies are welcome and always come and, and be blessed by that. I want to share a scripture with you in First Chronicles chapter 12. Uh, had a, a certain family who were been going through something, and uh, I was praying and fasting for them Monday, and uh, the Lord gave me this scripture Tuesday, and I just think it's a scripture for everybody. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, talks about the sons of Issachar, but there's a wording here in the New Living Translation that I want to share with you. First uh, Chronicles 12, 32. Glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming. And I just believe you'll be blessed. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times. And this is the part I want you to know. And knew the best course to take. The best course to take. And, you know, God is wanting to move. We know that God is yes and amen to all of his promises. But, you know, sometimes we've got to be in the right place, the right time, taking the right course for God to move on our behalf. And a lot of times we're seeking God about decisions and areas of our life, what to do. And you may be seeking God about a decision in your life. You may be in a place, Lord, what's the best course of action for me to take? Maybe it has to do with relative or a job or a future or a big decision that a, 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 you'll be uh, walking according to that decision for the rest of your life. How many of you know sometimes you come up against some big decisions? Well, this says here that you can know the best course of action to take. And you take a note of that because we pray the word because the word is living and it's alive. And it says that these men had understanding of the times, but also they knew the best course to take. And so you need to just thank Father, I praise you for that, Lord, in the area of my job, in the area of my family, in the area of moving, whatever it may be, I thank you for the best course of action to take. And, and so I want to pray that over you right now before we pick up our offerings and tithe. I just want to pray. You said, Lord, that, Father, any man, man or woman ask wisdom lacks wisdom to ask of you, and you give to all men liberally. And, Lord, we are your sons and your daughters. In all of our ways, we acknowledge you, and you promised you would direct our paths. Lord, there's some here, there's some maybe by Internet or who will listen to this CD later on. They're, they're seeking you, but they have no idea what to do. They don't know what course of action to take. There are some who may be in a law situation or a... a, a, a a lawsuit or, or, or thinking of getting married or what to do about family or children or a child. We ask you, God, of all wisdom and all knowledge and all understanding. We seek you, and I pray for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of understanding, the revelation, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we have been given that from you, Father, so that we can know in all circumstances, under all pressures, the best course of action to take. 
Lord, we have the mind of Christ, and I thank you for the helmet of salvation, that we're not pulled or tossed by being double-minded, being double-tongued. But I praise you there for a stability in our lives in these times, that while men and world may be speaking many things, we can stand strong in the promises that you made us. Lord, there's decisions in the area of dating. There's decisions in the area of jobs or changes, education. Whoever's listening to this CD later on, and I'm speaking right to them, I pray right now a peace and a rest that you have ears to hear what the good shepherd would speak unto you. That the voice of a stranger you will not follow in any way in Jesus' name. That you will not be manipulated by the spirit of Jezebel or by any other spirit, false doctrine, doctrine of devils. I pray that your ears are sanctified for the voice of the glory of God. I pray that you hear and you follow. Therefore, all your steps are ordained by God. Not one of them will slip. I praise you, Father, for divine direction. And I thank you that even in Acts 13 where it says the Holy Spirit spoke and he spoke and he guided and he led. I thank you that we have been given the Holy Spirit to speak and to guide and to lead us into all the perfect paths. I bless your people tonight according to your word. I thank you that when they come up to their decisions, they know the best ones to take. And Lord, we pray that for our political leaders. We pray that over our governor today. We pray over our Senate and Congress. We pray that, Lord, you're raising up godly men and women who are going to take the challenge to stand for righteousness and the word and the foundation on which this country was built upon. I pray that we will stand upon your word and your morals and, Lord, your promises and that we will take the best course of action. And I pray that you will divinely intervene even where man is trying to control, that we will see a, a spirit of humility and yielding for you to have your way. I think that all spirit of rebellion is broken off of our children, off of our loved ones. I think there's a receptivity to your spirit and your peace and your guidance. Thank you that there is a hunger in the hearts of Americans and your people to follow you and to seek you in every area. So, Lord, I pray this as I felt you've prompted this in my heart. That in this time where they say it's a time of confusion, we call it a time of wisdom and knowing the times and the seasons and the course of action to take. Bless your people with a prophetic ear, therefore a prophetic voice, to speak the will and the wisdom of God in their lives. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. With us, just come forward. We're going to receive tonight's offerings and tithe. We love you and we bless you. Call you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. To go along with what he just got through saying, how many of y'all know that no matter what's going on in our country and in the world, but God reigns. I want you to pay close attention to the words of these song, this song right here. Nobody else calls the shots except for God. <clears throat> you paint the night. You count the stars and you call them by name. The skies proclaim God you reign. Your glory shines You teach the sun When to bring a new day Creation sings God you reign 
seas You move the mountains with the words that you say My song remains God, you reign You hold my life You know my heart And you call me by name I live to sing God, you Bibles, we're going to go to Romans chapter 1. We've been studying the book of Romans on Wednesday nights. Appreciate you coming to study. This is one of the awesome books. We've gotten some great things. We're going to continue to get some greater things. Paul's speaking here to a church he had never physically visited, but he was there already in spirit and been praying. Wanted to encourage them. He said that he is... So much is in me. In verse 15, he says he is ready to preach the gospel. And we studied about the gospel a little bit last time. But verse 16, we want to take up tonight. Verse 16, what a powerful verse. For I am not ashamed. Just say that with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. Aren't you thankful, hallelujah, that Paul was ready to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was encouraging us to have the same type of boldness. Amen. This is a time where we have to not compromise on the standard of the gospel. And that's exactly what Paul was speaking about here. He says, me preaching the gospel has nothing to do with what I go through naturally or physically. It doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going through. And I'm not trying to build myself up in any way emotionally. Whatever I go through, I am privileged with the honor to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he didn't have to build himself up in an emotional state to where he's boasting about something that he's hyped up about. It's something that he believes with all of his heart. So it does, his preaching doesn't have anything to do with what he's going through at the moment. It has everything to do by his faith. And how many times I myself, how many times musicians and worship leaders, you come here and, and Brother Shane and, and Joel and his wife and so many others, we come here and we may have a sore throat. Or we may be running 102 fever. Or we might have had a horrible day. Or we might have got some of the worst news that we've ever gotten in our life. But our boasting in the word of God has nothing to do with our natural circumstances. We have the privilege of preaching the gospel regardless of how we feel. Because it's not our word. But we have the privilege that whatever we're living through, we're going to come out of it. As long as we continue to hold the standard of the word of God. It's not our gospel. It's the Alpha and the Omega's gospel. It's the God Almighty's word. It's his promises to everyone. He says to the Jew first and the Greek, and he's, he's talking about it doesn't matter nationality. God is not a respecter of persons. He's talking here about how just like God is not a respecter of nationalities, listen to this, the word, the word is not a respecter of nationalities. And we shared last week about the barbarians. Is not a respecter of the rich or the poor. It doesn't respect the educated or the uneducated. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And what he's saying here, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like you know it's a gospel for every person, you need to know that it's a gospel for every problem. It's a gospel for every situation. If I would ask you today, does Jesus love the Chinese as much as he loves the Americans? You'd shout what? Does God love the Native American just as much as he loves the white American? Does he love the Asian or the Oriental or the people from India as much as he loves the Jews? Well, does he want to heal just as much as he wants to save? Does he want to bless you just as much as he wants to heal you? Well, you got to understand that's what it's saying here. There's no boundaries. And Paul is saying, and, and, and in the Greek, it gives this definition that it's like uh, Nate on the drums he may be, uh, I don't see Nate right now, but he may be playing just real easy and just playing just the drums, just a real easy beat. And then all of a sudden, it comes to the high stanza where he just does a drum roll. And I mean, he just does a drum roll and he doesn't quit. Well, Paul, up to right now, has been doing an introduction and a greeting. But he, when he came to verse 16, there is some voices in the Greek. There is some language here in the Greek that Paul says, I'm through with the introduction. I'm through talking about encouraging you and how I've heard good about you. And all of a sudden, he's hit a part where there's a drum roll and there's a high emphasis on the orchestra and there's a sound coming forth where he's saying, but now I want to tell you about what the main theme is. 
The main theme is not about you, and the main theme is not about me, but the main theme, theme is about the gospel, the good news to anyone and everyone, to any people, to any nationality, and to any problem, and to any circumstance. And he says, regardless of what I've gone through, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says here that it's a privilege that no matter what I've gone through, I am a witness. I could proclaim, proclaim his word boldly because I'm a witness that even though I've gone through it, I've been beaten, I've been jailed, I've been shipwrecked, I've been rejected, I've been mocked, I've been scorned, I've been beat, I've been ridiculed, I've been stoned, I've been left for dead. But everything I've gone through, I came out of it triumphantly. They dragged me out of town thinking I was dead after they stoned me. They were going, getting ready to do my funeral. But all of a sudden, in the midst of them, I stood up and I said, let's go back into the city. I'm not through preaching yet. So he's saying, whatever I've gone through, I'm not basing my boldness and expectation and faith on what I've gone through. But I can testify that what I've gone through, I've gone through triumphantly because I have not cast away my confidence in the word of God that his word works. And it says in verse 17, that the just, everybody say with me, the just. And that's what Romans is about, is justification through the blood of Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. So I just want you right now just to praise God that no matter what you're going through, you're going to come out of it triumphantly. Come on, praise Him. You're going to come out of it triumphantly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Victorious over it all. And it's not about what you feel emotionally, but it's about his power. Now, there's some things I want to share with you about the history, about the people he's talking to here. Listen to this. And I believe that maybe this is what we're getting ready to see in our nation. For 500 years, the Greeks have been studying every philosophy known to man. They spend hours. I told you of some of the cities had over 20,000 scrolls. And they study all the philosophies of men. And they sit around in the different temples trying to figure out who's got the answer. And, and they got to a point to where they, 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 they were confusing philosophies with morals and philosophies with beliefs. And they were just having to add more and more gods and more and more philosophies. And for, it's, it's been a buildup of 500 years of finding what they were calling salvation. They had even got to the point that the philosophers said, what we are lacking is salteria. What we are lacking is salvation. We've got philosophies for everything, but we're not being saved. And, they, and that word salteria covers everything that philosophies that they were getting to know and had built up for 500 years. Philosophies of men are not healing our physical bodies. Philosophies of men is not fixing our judicial system. Philosophies of men is not changing the economical situation. Philosophies of men, after 500 years, we've come to the point where we need salvation. And so they've been here discussing the problem, the elements of all the world's philosophies composed. And they, they keep talking about the perils surrounding the people, the weaknesses. They would talk about the weaknesses that are haunting them and that they would change philosophies to try to meet the weaknesses, but they would never find the right philosophies. And one of the Greek scholars wrote in this time where Paul wrote this, Epictus wrote that his lecture room was a hospital for the sick soul. And then 
Epicurus said that his teachings was medicine of salvation. But every time they would start talking their philosophies and their different things, it wasn't helping anybody get any better. And so the, everything they were looking for, they were looking for everything to point towards salteria or salvation. And they said, they finally came up with this. They said, what we need is a hand let down to lift us up. Our philosophies and what we're learning in our books and our textbooks, what the great men of wisdom of the time, Epictus and, and whatever their other names were, were coming up with, in all their great thrones and with all their scrolls, we still find ourselves in the same situation. And so what we realize, it's not going to be something to come out of the mouth of a man. It's going to be something to hand somebody with a hand from above to reach down and lift us up. And how many of you, that's what Jesus did when he came down. And so Paul knows all of this. So so he is building, and for the whole book of Romans, he starts here building such a great discourse like he would get before them in Athens and say, I walk through your city, and I see you keep talking about this God and that God and this goddess and all your philosophies and all your traditions and all the wisdom of men and all your gods and goddesses. And I find this one place that says, to the unknown God. And I want to declare the unknown God to you today that he is the hand that comes low to lift up to build up where you feel fallen down the one you've been seeking for the one you've been trying to immoralize the one you've been trying to figure out with your mind the way of God you've been trying to figure out with your mind all of the wisest men and women getting together and writing hours and hours of all these stories and all of these ideas. And let's try this idea and let's try that idea. I want to declare to you the God who is the God above ideas. He's a God of all knowing and understanding. And Paul was building something here that I am not ashamed of the gospel, the, the ideas, the wisdom, the, the, the wisdom of God that is given to you for salvation. And so he's building this up and they said we need a hand let down to lift us up. And people in this hour was overwhelmingly conscious of their weaknesses and their insufficiency for necessary things. How many of you know, if you listen to the news, that's where we sound today? We can borrow how many trillion, and we need another trillion or we could come up with this, we need this program, and everybody's talking about everything we need. But, but, and we see man's rating going down. But I believe that God is getting a setup for those who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I believe that we, Paul was saying, I am not ashamed of the standard of the word of God. I am not ashamed to mention the name of Jesus when others are trying to take it out. I'm not ashamed to mention I still believe in the Ten Commandments of God. So we see Paul is standing up in a time like you and I are at today. Whether we go to school or workplace or wherever we are. So that we can have the same heart of God. Is that I am not ashamed of the standards and the wisdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that if you want God to lift you up, you've got to try, stop trying to figure out and fix it yourself because man just like in these days man cannot fix the united states and our deficit we cannot fix our school system man cannot fix medical or any other thing but if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from our wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. It all goes back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this nation was founded upon it. And I believe that we are finding these days 
Well, we're going to have to turn back to it again. Uh, One described himself as a man that could not be tolerated. That people loved their vices. And he added with a sort of despair. And they hate him at the same time. Boy, doesn't that sound like America. These are all writers at this time of Paul. Men love their addictions and they love their sin. But at the same time, they hate them. And don't you hear that today? I mean, even on the way to the casino, there's the 1-800 numbers to help the addicted. So while you're going to play the one-armed bandit, here's the 1-800 number how to get you out of the addiction because you're losing everything you got. And so we find a nation that is, we, got, we Americans have all the answer and we have all the, all the armory and all the power and all the might, but yet we're being humbled before the little nations of the world. That we finally get back and call, fall on our face and call upon the only one who can lift us up and save us. And that's where these people had got desperate. Seeking what was described as Epitus, not Caesar's proclamation, but God's. Amen. So I want to share with you here that Paul is talking a few things. I'll just give you a little outline here. He's talking in verse 16 and 17, the good news that comes from God himself. It is the power of God to save, not man or philosophy, but God. And it is the revelation of God's righteousness. It also talks about the gospel. It saves. It reveals the righteousness of God. It makes possible a life of faith, and it delivers from the wrath of God. In verse 16 through 18, there's the four fars of Paul. For I am not ashamed... Verse 16, for the gospel is the power of God. Verse 17, for the righteousness of God is revealed. And verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. So we see the four fours of Paul right there. Now, let me share this with you. Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because what he has been given has been given from God himself. And that's why it's all right for you, as Jesus rebuked Satan and said, for it is written, you have the same right to use the word of God given to you from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that every word of God is inspired and breathed by the Holy Spirit. And when you speak the word of God, the living word on the inside of you comes alive and the Holy Spirit breathes upon you so that the living word comes alive on the inside of you and is able to come out of you and save you and lift you up above all circumstances because Paul says, I'm not ashamed because I'm not talking what I think, I'm talking what God thinks. I'm not talking about what I believe. I talk about what God has written that is sure and secure. And so no man should ever be ashamed of anything concerning the sovereign majesty of God and the universe. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Paul was often rejected, not by just a few persons, but sometimes a whole community. Can you imagine going into Alexandria and everybody rises up against you? And sometimes we want to falter and fail when just a few make fun of us. Peter started cursing because a woman at the uh, fire saying, you're a Galilean too. And how many times do we buckle under until we get filled with the Holy Spirit and the boldness of the Holy Ghost to stand unflinching in the face of what the enemy tries to bring against us? He is saying, I am not ashamed because of fear of ridicule. Part of not being ashamed is not being ashamed of being ridiculed. Or you're one of them. Yes, hallelujah, I am. Uh, You're one of those who believe this. Oh, yes, I do, and with all of my heart. 
Oh, you're one of those that believe that the trumpet's going to shout and we're going to be taken up. Yes, I do. You're one of those that believe that God still heals and the gifts have not passed away. Yes, I am. You're one of those that still believe in t- speaking in tongues as far today. Oh, yes, I am. You're still one of those and you're still one of these. Yes, I am. And they can ridicule. I've had people ridicule me at restaurants right here in Pineville. Preachers ridicule me. Make fun. Look at me and start going, blah, 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 blah. Didn't want to use my chapstick because they might get contagious and start speaking in tongues or something like that. Ridicule. Rejection. Loss of recognition. Position. You know, if they find out I'm one of those, I might lose my position. I work at the VA, and they find out that I believe in the cross and the word of God, I might lose my position. Well, praise God, God will just give you a better one. Not only that, not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ means I'm not worried about how I'm going to make a living because God is my shepherd. There is a fear of intellectual, listen to this, there's a fear of intellectual shame. That's why we've got to pray over our students and our college kids because there's so much confusion and controversy being taught. And so there's a, there's a shame of intellectual shame where the enemy tries to come in and people and philosophies try to belittle and make them feel like the, 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 they believe in something that's old and out of date. Oh, what you believe sounds like a fairy tale. Uh, a man built a boat and put two of every animal upon the boat. And a man raises, throws a stick above a sea and the sea parted and three million walked across. It sounds like a bunch of fairy tales. But to us, it may sound like confusion and and fairy tales to them, but to us it sounds like just something like God did with one of the nostrils of his nose. When just one nostril of his nose, he blew upon the sea, and the sea opened, and the land dried up, and over three million walked across looking at the water, standing up, and the fishes and everything else going around as they were walking through. And then Pharaoh's army came, and it closed up upon them, and they can say, that how can you, how can you have pride? How can you be an American and believe such fairy tales? Because I believe in the God of the Old Testament testament the god in the new testament i believe in the great i am i I don't my god didn't need a big bang my god is the big bang when he spoke light be light was when he spoke earth be earth was when he formed man out of clay and god put his lips upon the lips of clay and breathed life and man became a living being made in the image of god you can call that foolishness but the foolishness of god foolishness of man is the wisdom of god and so we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the fear that the gospel does not measure up intellectually. You go to the Smithsonian and you go to the different museums and, and you go and, and they're always trying to find a new bone of a pig to prove that it was an ape man. And they're always trying to prove how old the world was with their computers. And they just try to, so uh, uh, through intelligence and science, trying to always prove that God's not true. And, and now they're trying to find water on the moon when they ought to just be praying and humbling themselves before the God who can send the rain, who can send the rain, who can take care of any problem that there can be. He's a God who provided the manna in the wilderness. He provided water out of a rock. And all you've got to do, they've got pictures of the rock that the water came out of that gave water to over three million people. That's my God. And that's the gospel that we're not ashamed of. And when you're not ashamed of the gospel, the God of the gospel stands beside you and behind you and watch you believe. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's also in Romans 1.18.31. 
goes on to say, let me just read some scriptures to you here. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise. They are vain. Can I hear an amen? Learn to be foolish. People tell you, how can you believe all that? How can you trust all that? Oh, because there's something. It's not just by what I hear. It's something that I feel on the inside of me. I sat by that man on that airplane that time in South America, and he was telling me about how the goo turned into a fish, and the fish turned into a crocodile, and the crocodile climbed up on the banks, and the crocodile climbed up on the banks, and when it came to a tree, it turned into a monkey, and the monkey climbed up in the tree, and as the monkey was in the tree, the monkey became a man, and started talking to him, and he believed all that. He says, how can you tell me that your God is any different? And I just got through with a crusade in Bolivia, and I said, I'll tell you how I know it's different. Because you can talk all of this stuff, and it makes you sound good, it makes you feel good. But there's something on the inside of me that is alive and burns. There's something inside of me that flows from the top of my head to the soles of my toes, that all I've got to do is talk about Jesus Christ. And I just got through coming from Sucre, Bolivia, where there was a witch who was casting spells, and she came to church, and she fell down and started manifesting devils. And you could talk about a crocodile, and them devils wouldn't do nothing. You could talk about a monkey in a tree. And them devils wouldn't do nothing. You could talk about a goo, and them devils couldn't do nothing. But when I said, in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom I serve and who I am, I said there was something crawling up on the inside of me. And I don't have to have my mind tell me anything because there's something on the inside of me that tells me it's he's true and it's real. And when you close your eyes, you don't have the peace that I have. And you can go ahead and believe all you want to. But when you die, you go ahead and think about that crocodile and that goo and that monkey man and everything else. But when I die, I know that there are angels being sent from me. Then them angels are going to carry me to the bosom of God Almighty. And I'm going to live eternal and everlasting life. And I don't have to have philosophies of men make me feel good and I don't have to have men accept what I believe but I'm going to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ if there's 10 against me if there's a community against me if there's a whole nation calls me a fool then I'll be a fool for Christ because I know his word is true and they can try to explain everything they want to away but we still will know what we believe and whom we believe that he is able to keep that which we committed on him against that day glory First Samuel 2, 3 says, talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Isaiah 40, 28, how hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And Daniel 2, 22, he revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what's in darkness, and the light dwelleth in him. Oh, hallelujah. Why are people ashamed to testify about Jesus? Why are people ashamed to testify what God has done? You know, a lot of people talk about, there are so many miracles in the times of Christ. But if you go and read about the miracles, there was always people. That even when Jesus told them, don't tell what I did to you, they couldn't keep it in. And if you wonder why, I don't wonder why we saw so many, many, many divine miracles in South America. 
because they didn't have a philosophy. They didn't have book learning. And they didn't worry what people thought because they already lived in a thatch hut like everybody else lived. They didn't worry what people thought. When they heard about something, they put their faith in it. When they saw it worked, they didn't care what the witch doctor or anybody else believed. They come to believe it is the truth of the word of God. And I believe that we've got to get to that point today. That when God does a miracle like he does with Sister Annie and with so many others, I think we need to report it high and low. I, I think we're too embarrassed sometimes to testify. You know, I had the flu, but Christ healed me. I had this and Christ healed me. I had a child who was lost, but Christ took him in. My marriage was on the rocks, but Christ. Many times our pride and worry what people think keeps us quiet because we don't want to be ridiculed or mocked. We don't want to be rejected or ignored. We don't want to be passed over or cut off. We don't want to be left without a job. We don't want to be left without family or friends. We don't want to be abused and we don't want to be persecuted. God forbid if we're persecuted and we sure don't want to be killed. But Paul was saying, they've tried all those things to me, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It says in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 9, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now listen to what it, we know that very well, but listen to what it continues to say. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who had saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. Don't ever be ashamed that you are a Christian. I can't get over that preachers have learned a new title when they're asked in public, what work do you do? Well, I'm an a, I'm a encourager. I'm a, 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 a speaker. I'm a, a, what you call it? A, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a, I'm a preacher that if you sin, you'll go to hell. And unless you repent, you'll go to heaven. And that Jesus Christ shed his blood to save you of your sins. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe. You call it foolish. And Paul would stand up and say, you counted it foolish that, um, that God would come as a little Jewish baby. But yet, he wasn't just a Jew, he was God. And he grew up in a carpenter's home. And you, you count it foolishness that he, he would be nailed to the cross and be buried in a man's borrowed tomb and go through all that he went through. And on the third day, how can you believe? They couldn't believe in the resurrection that God would raise him from the dead. But they wanted to continue to believe that somebody stole his body and the tomb was empty because they stole his body by night. But the disciples knew because even though the people were trying to say that somebody stole his body, he appeared to him many times and they saw him ascend on high they knew he was alive but Paul says I'm a greater apostle because he appeared unto the others after his resurrection but he appeared unto me by wisdom and knowledge and through his spirit and the anointing of revelation that came upon me and opened my eyes for me to behold things that was wondrous and mighty and marvelous and I am chief of the apostles because even though I was not with the apostles when he was raised from the dead I I am as one of these of the latter day remnant. 
I didn't see him with my eyes, but I felt him in my heart, and I felt him in my spirit. And I knew that when he, I asked him to come into my life, and I was blinded for three days, and some little man named Ananias was brave enough to come and lay hands upon me and say, Oh, brother Saul, the Lord has told me to come and lay hands on you. That the God that you've been persecuting and you saw on the road of Damascus is appearing to you for you to go and now be a proclaimer of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, Therefore, I have not been silent and I will not be silent no matter what philosophers or men or communities or people would ever try to do to me I am not backing up from proclaiming boldly the full counsel of God which is the word of God which is still the same today yesterday and forever as he is amen church <laughs> hallelujah oh suki suki First Peter 4, 14. If you be reproached, made fun of, laughed at, or you're one of those, you bet you I'm one of those. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory, the spirit of glory of God resteth upon you. The more we start getting persecuted, the more you're going to see the spirit of glory. When Argentina got its revival... It was in one of the worst attacks they'd ever been in. Persecutions. Deficits. But when it got under, the church was under the worst military rule ever known. The spirit of glory came and hit that nation, which is still on revival today. And we pray for revival. Revival's coming because the spirit of glory is going to come upon those who's not ashamed to, who are not going to go around and say, well, you know, we believe in the Muslims and we believe uh, in, in, in this and that and the other. And we accept everybody. No. You deny Christ, then you are not of us. There's only one name given among men, but we shall be saved. And it says, Happy are ye for the spirit of glory of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. Can you believe they speak so evil of Jesus? But on your part, say upon my part, it's right here. On their part, they speak evil of Christ. But on your part, he is glorified. Come on, raise your hands and let's join together with the cloud of witnesses. On my part, he's glorified. I glorify the Father and the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I glorify the Spirit of God. I glorify the anointing of God. I glorify the blood of Jesus Christ. I glorify the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Him, He is in me. He's going to be glorified by me. He's going, for me, my house, we're going to glorify God. But on my part, He's glorified. Proverbs 29, 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Isaiah 51, 12. I, even I, am he that comforts you. Who art thou? Thou shouldest be afraid of a man who will die. And the son of man who shall be made as grass. The word power there means might, energy, force. It's the very strength within God is now the strength and the power that's within God is within his word. And when you speak his word, it's within you. It means the embodiment of his very nature. He possesses all power, the omnipotent power of his being so that he can do and act as he chooses. 
John 7, 37, in the last day, the great day of feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. How many of you know that is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. He says in Romans 10, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the rich or the poor. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the spirit and the bride say, come in Revelation 22, uh, verse 17. Uh, I'll tell you what. It starts getting too good, so we're going to just wait and save the rest for next week because once I get into this, this is too good. But I, oh, man, this is good. This is good. <laughs> it's all good. We're going to study that. We're going to study that word salvation that they were trying to figure out. And Paul says, he's going to teach it. He says, that word salteria, you've all been trying to find. Protection, healing, safety, deliverance, wholeness, healing, peace. Everything y'all trying to find a philosophy for, I'll give you one word that covers it all. Salvation. Salvation. How many of you are saved tonight? You possess everything that they were trying to find the answers to for 500 years. Every time you read in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says all of these looked for the promise, but didn't. they saw it from afar off, but they never got it. We are on this side of the cross. Well, they looked for and they saw in shadows and signs. We wake up to it every morning and go to bed to it at every night. Man, that is powerful. What they didn't see, we can sing about and talk about every waking hour. How can you be ashamed? They weren't ashamed and they never experienced it. But we can experience it every day. You just raise your hands and the salteria starts flowing through your body. Do you know in your DNA, salteria is connected to your DNA? Do you know, no matter what your children are doing right now, that greater salteria is connected to the bloodline of your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And those sin iniquity may attack and try to curse up to four generations, but when you get a hold of the glory of God and the salteria start working your bloodline, it starts talking about the mercy of God going to a thousand generations and beyond. I'll tell you right now in the name of Jesus, I believe that God is doing a work on the inside of each and every one of us, that the bloodline that you might have inherited is being, uh, being purged by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to where your bloodline is redeemed and your bloodline is pure and your bloodline is holy. And whatever you might have had struggles with in the past or your daddy or grandpa or great-grandpa, I believe that there, every one of you tonight, I pray in the name of Jesus that there is a spirit of purity, holiness, and the spirit of truth is getting a hold of every part of your DNA and your thoughts and your imaginations and, and your desires. And it's going, it's transforming your children's and your lives and it's going to a thousand generations. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that there is a priesthood that is inherited from a generation to another generation. So no matter what you're seeing... And no matter what you're going through right now, I stand with you, beloved brother and sister, in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that the good work that he's starting in you, 
He is continuing it in you and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And they will not die without Christ and they will not go to hell and they are not on their way to prison. And if they are in prison, they're on their way out to the pulpit. And I believe that they're not going into the pit. They're going to the pulpit. They're not going to drugs. They're not going to alcohol. They're not going to sex. They're not going to perversion. They're not going to the world. They're not being thrown to the world. See, part of that word solteria that we're going to study next week, part of that word means there's an enemy. The Greeks were trying to find out, how do I protect myself from all the enemies of my soul? Paul says, I give you one word, solteria. It's the divine protection of any enemy of the soul, the spirit, and the body. It's divine protection over every part. Your thoughts, your imaginations, your thought. And I was supposed to end and... Mm, but, but, but glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Can you, let's just stand up. Can you praise Him? Can you praise Him for a salteria? Can you praise Him for such a great a salvation? Hebrews chapter 2. How can we neglect such a great a salvation? How can we neglect to value and to praise? Oh, hallelujah. How can we ever be ashamed? How can we ever be ashamed? Just like somebody come up to me. Somebody came up to my wife the other day and they said... I know why your husband talks about you like that, and he, he, he talks that he loves you and all that, because you're so beautiful. Well, you see, I, I would never be ashamed to go anywhere with this woman. I would never be ashamed to go anywhere with her. But I wouldn't be ashamed of her, knowing things about her, which is all good. <laughs> how much more, how I cannot be ashamed of the one who gave his life for me. Because of him, I have life today. Is that your wife? Oh, that's my wife. You ask her, is that your husband? Yeah, I claim him. <laughs> How can we be ashamed of Jesus? Praise him and worship him. Sister Luella drove a Hindu doctor crazy this week. Witness to her Hindu doctor got him so, got him so nervous, his blood pressure went up and he dropped his paperwork and everything. Yeah, he got so confused. <laughs> he had to leave the room. He, he didn't even he didn't even he didn't even want to talk to. to he, she says, "What's your religion?" He didn't want to tell her because he knew. Looking at her, I said, "She's worse than any 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 type of uh, cobra or whatever they they, they play with." You, you don't fool Luella, man. That's a wolf and a half, boy, right there. Not a bad, not a wolf in the bad way. She's a lioness for God is what I mean. Hallelujah. Let it out of the bag. And then she let loose. Jesus. That poor little doctor. She, he says, you're making my blood pressure go up. Oh, uh, she ain't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Glory be to God. Here we go. Yeah. I'm not going there. 
Cole. Hallelujah. Man, can you imagine all the word of grace bold like that? Because you do not want to run into Luella at Wendy's or Super One or anything like that. You, yeah. Just make the, the man, she gives a devil blood pressure. Glory be to God. <laughs> uh, okay, I, and I believe it too. I believe it too. Poor little Hindu doctor. We got to pray for him. Little buttercup, we lost the way. He was choking on his curry. I told her last night, but he was choking on his curry, man. Praise God. Well, anyway, God is good. Amen. We love you. Aren't you glad you come on Wednesday nights? Amen. See, you get out here early, just like Sunday night now. We let you out at seven, just an hour. That's all. Sunday morning, we're going to have a fiesta. And so we just love you and we appreciate you. If you need prayer, we're going to be here to minister to you. And Father, I just bless your people and I thank you that your face shines upon them. The divine favor of God is upon each and every one. Thank you that there is such a stirring of our spirit, of our love and our enthusiasm. Lord, we have to be enthusiastic about you. We have to be on fire for you. Lord, we are not settling for lukewarmness. And we're not settling for cold. Lord, I praise you that we are burning hot. Hallelujah. I praise you that we are on fire for you because you are wonderful. And I just praise you that each and every one has an exciting encounter with you every time they get with you. And I praise you for just all of a sudden manifestations of your anointing moving upon us. Even when we're not thinking of you, all of a sudden we feel that anointing fall. Woo! And the Spirit of God moves within us. I praise you for it and I glorify for anointing your saints. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Love you. God bless you. See you Sunday. Amen.